Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Hello, modern lovers. This is Dr. Brenda, and we're going to talk about a topic today that could be, well, controversial to say the least, using cannabis to enhance one's sex life. And we're going to be talking with Ashley Mantra, Manta, excuse me, who is a sought-after expert on the topic, who has quite a story of her own and is going to share her own story and give you some very specific advice. We've got some very specific questions for her about the use of cannabis and whether it can help to heal and also to enhance sexual pleasure. And before we get to that, I want to invite you to join me on April 13th for a one-day intensive training called Quantum Power, in which you're going to learn nine specific steps to put to use quantum power in your own life to build the kind of life you want physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, but most of all, to use those steps in your love life. So for more information, go to Eventbrite, grab your seat. Space is quite limited for this training. So take a look at that and grab a seat now. Now, let's get to today's Ask Dr. Brenda question. All right, hang on. I'm going to read the question to you. It says, Dear Dr. Brenda, my boyfriend recently was communicating with the mother of his children which is no big deal. They communicate all the time, but I noticed he was looking at nude photos of her. This really upset me. When I asked him about it, he said she was showing piercings and wanted him to see them. This doesn't sit well with me. What should I do? And it's signed, what do you suggest? Okay, suggest. I think you and your boyfriend need a really deep conversation about what boundaries are comfortable for you, comfortable for him. And, of course, nude photos, I think in anybody's book, are outside of healthy boundaries if one is in a committed relationship with someone else. If you've moved on from the ex, no matter what the ex may have done to their body, it's important not to engage in things that are sexually stimulating because it keeps the door open. So that's all I've got on this. And... You have to ask yourself whether you're willing to be in a relationship with those kinds of boundaries if he doesn't comply with you, your request for boundaries. All right. So let me tell you a little more about Ashley Manta. Ashley, let's see here, is a sex educator who has combined the use of cannabis 
in her treatment and her education, I, treatment's the wrong word, her educating people about improving their sexual pleasure, she coined the term canasexual. And in fact, that's her website, canasexual.com. You can take a look at that. But I want to just quickly welcome you to the show. Ashley, there's so much to talk about. Thank you so How much for you? having me, Dr. Brenda. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Good. So tell us how you got interested in cannabis and how that correlates or works with one's sexual life, sexual pleasure, sexual healing, all of it. That's such a great question. I was actually very anti-cannabis for a large portion of my life. I grew up in Pennsylvania, which until quite recently was a prohibition state. I was a child of dare culture, so I thought that people who consumed cannabis were lazy and unproductive and and criminals, quite frankly, is what I was taught. And it wasn't until I was in my graduate program for a master's degree in philosophy when I met people with PhDs who were smoking cannabis. And I said, wow, hmm, that's not what I was told. And these are amazing humans. And maybe I need to take a look at what I was taught. And it turns out that, you know, cannabis does have a deeply racist and classist history in this country um, as a way of oppressing people of color. And so as I started to unlearn those biases, uh, I moved to California in 2013. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really interesting the history of, of the war on drugs as a means of oppressing people of color in this country, um, specifically around cannabis. It started in the early 1900s and it was a way for the government to um, shame and ostracize folks who were legally coming to this country from Mexico um, by demonizing uh, a substance that they used and, and the slang terms around it. Marijuana isn't even a real in, um, in Mexican culture. And so it was the government latched onto that through uh, a man whose last name is Anslinger. And all of these prohibitive laws got on the books. And then, you know, the Nixon and Reagan administrations were incredibly anti-cannabis as a means to control progressive populations in the um, communities of color, in progressive like hippie communities. They made it bad and wrong so that police would have an excuse to lock those folks up. Well, not just bad and excuse me, laws that were on the books, and of course the mass incarceration movement, especially the mass incarceration of people of color, did come out of that. So I'm so glad you brought that up. That's a question I wouldn't have thought to ask you had you not brought it up, because as with everything else, there's a political aspect. Now there's also a financial aspect to everything. Talk a little bit about the money involved in the field, starting when it was illegal, and update us a bit. And then we're going to talk about sex, everybody, because we know you want to hear about that. We will. (laughs) (laughs) The money is such an important component because since it is an illegal substance, um, banking is an issue for the cannabis industry. So uh, people are unable to get bank accounts. So largely the cannabis industry has to deal in cash and quite large volumes of cash. Um, it's also is an issue to advertise on social media. It's, or if it's not flat out banned entirely, people get their accounts deleted all the time. It's, there's a huge uphill battle. And so the people who are making the most money currently in the cannabis industry are rich white men because they have the financial backing from venture capitalists to be able to put the kind of money that you need into this 
these businesses to make a splash to stand out among all the others. And those are the people who are getting the money right now. And so it's really important uh-huh. to see. Okay. Like well, we guess who now. Has, yeah. Go ahead. All right. So now we've talked about politics. We've talked about history. <laughs> Let's talk about sex. And Let's of course, I've been reading a lot recently about the use of cannabis in the bedroom how did that become a trend, and what does that really mean, the use of cannabis in the bedroom? Great question. It has been a, a phenomenon for a very long time. I was certainly not by any means the first one to suggest that cannabis and sex would pair well together. It's been thousands of years. There's some evidence that in, um, in Eastern countries that it was used thousands of years ago. And so it's hmm. really just kind of – getting a mainstream resurgence and certainly anyone who attended Woodstock in the seventies knows that cannabis and sex go well together. And so in the, so ad- talk about that specifically. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I in know where you're headed. Of, Please. Yeah, I'm absolutely. So it's, as we've gotten more products on the market, as things are becoming widely, more widely available as stigma around cannabis use is starting to shift. Um, it's, moving from the fringes and counterculture into more mainstream and which is great. It's so important to see because cannabis does have so much value medicinally as well as for, you know, adult use. And okay. But there's a difference. This is something that's important. There's a difference between cannabis that can get you high and cannabis that's medicinal that doesn't get you high. Would you tell people about that? Because that's something I think that's poorly understood at this point. Sure. And I wouldn't want to draw a distinction between cannabis that can get you high and cannabis that has medical value necessarily because THC is actually really crucial and has a lot of medicinal benefits for folks with pain, um, folks who need appetite stimulation. THC, just for those who don't know, this is the thing that does get you high is the THC. So that's why we're making a distinction so people know that. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so folks with cancer, let's say, who are undergoing um, chemotherapy, one of the common side effects of chemotherapy is appetite suppression. And so right. these folks, food is not appealing to them. They don't, it doesn't taste good. They don't want to get it down. And you have to have food in order to heal your body. And so using cannabis, specifically cannabis with THC, is medicinal in that case. And these folks are not using it to get high, but they are using it for that. So, mm-hmm. And it's all really about moderation and dosage. If you use a little bit of anything, it will help, you know, in the small ways. So in, how did in you the, get interested in cannabis and sexuality? Because you have written countless articles, been featured in all sorts of major media as a cansexual, canasexual. <laughs> Yes. I myself am a survivor of sexual trauma. I was uh, a victim of child sexual abuse. I was sexually assaulted in my teen years and again in my 20s at two different points. So I have multiple sexual traumas. Mm, I'm sorry. That's terrible. Thank you. And it left me with pain with penetration, which is quite common for survivors of sexual violence. Um, I was diagnosed with vaginismus as well as complex complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And what that looked like was pain with penetration, panic attacks, dissociation, um, intrusive thoughts, and really horrible flashbacks. And yes, I was on all sorts of... Which I have uh, to say most survivors do experience. So 
anyone, and we now know one in three women is a survivor of some sort of sexual trauma, whether it's child or adult, and it's an epidemic in our culture. I think very much uh, something that reflects things that are wrong, but we won't go there right now. So how did you deal with this? I'm so sorry you went through that and you you have the aftereffects. Thank you. It was challenging. I got a lot of therapy and I had some good support. And for a long time, I was on antidepressants and um, benzodiazepines. So I was on Xanax and I was prescribed that by my psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And I found that it left me feeling kind of like a zombie. It was not working well Mm -hmm. for me. My, My depression was really persistent. My anxiety was not really reliably controlled with the Xanax. And it left me feeling tired and sluggish. And, and it did nothing for my pain with penetration. And so when I moved to California in 2013 and I had access to medical cannabis, I started really intentionally experimenting with different products to see if any of those would help manage some of those symptoms. And to my delight, I actually found this incredible company called Foria that made a, and still makes a THC-infused oil that is actually specifically for genitals. They designed it for people with vulvas. And you spray it on 25 minutes before stimulation begins. It's like a marinade, if you will. And that was the first (laughs) thing that allowed me to have penetrative sex without pain in my adult life. Bless your heart. Such an important part of a normal, healthy adult life. And you were having pain and unable to have pleasure because God knows the pain can get in the way. So you've... Evolution, and that's the thing that triggered your interest. What have you learned since then about the use of cannabis as an aid either to women who have been traumatized and as a result have these invisible wounds that are profound and lingering, and people who may not have the trauma but want to enhance sexual pleasure? Oh, gosh, I've learned so much, um, probably more than we could cover in this particular hour. Yeah, what's the most together, important but, thing that you would say? But most importantly is really getting clear on what it is that's getting in the way of pleasure, connection, and intimacy, and so that you know what you're addressing. So for me, it was pain with penetration, and it was anxiety and dissociation. And so mm-hmm. I chose a topical product that was going to help with the pain as well as increasing pleasure, And then I chose um, CBD, which is another cannabinoid uh, that does not have the Mm -hmm. the intoxicating effects of THC. And so I would choose CBD-rich products that would help me kind of get out of my head and quiet down that that those voices. Everyone heard about CBD. Would you Mm -hmm. just describe for those who aren't familiar exactly what is CBD? CBD oil. We're hearing a lot about CBD derived products, lotions, and potions, and all sorts of things are on the market. Right. So CBD and THC are both called cannabinoids, and they are found in the cannabis plant. CBD is also found in um, higher concentrations in the hemp plant, and the hemp plant has less than 0.3% THC. So hemp-derived CBD is more widely available nationwide, although it's still very much in a legal gray area from the FDA's perspective. Um, and mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. cannabis-derived CBD is available in medical and recreational states. So and if you so were CBD- to recommend something, uh, I, I want to just go back to couples here. Uh, if you yeah. were to recommend, because our time is short, if you were to recommend to sure. couples the use of 
either CBD oil or cannabis with THC, what are your recommendations? I have a few, actually. Um, Foria mm-hmm. makes both a THC oil that is available in California and Colorado, and they also make a CBD, a hemp CBD oil that is available uh, nationwide, which is really cool. And so that gives you a lot of flexibility depending on where you live. And those I really recommend for people with vulvas. If, if you happen to be in a, mm-hmm. a couple situation where you both have penises, it's not going to be as useful for you, but they also have suppositories that can be valuable for that. Um, and then I also mm-hmm. really like tinctures. Tinctures are oil or alcohol-based um, solutions that you put under your tongue. And those are really great. I prefer those to edibles because they act more quickly and they can be more reliably dosed than, say, a brownie. Now, what are micro-dosing? What does micro-dosing mean? Microdosing is to use a sub-perceptual level of any given uh, substance. So you hear a lot about microdosing in psychedelics with like uh, LSD and, and psilocybin, and then you also hear about microdosing in cannabis. And so it's, I would say a microdose for a cannabis consumer would be somewhere between one and three milligrams of THC per dose. Um, and CBD, mm-hmm. you don't really need to microdose because it doesn't have intoxicating effects. So you can use, mm-hmm. I've seen as much as uh, suggesting 10 milligrams per kilogram of body weight for CBD to still so be in what the therapeutic is, dose what range. what is the benefit to intimacy of doing the microdosing? Microdosing is great because you intoxicate it. And for me, anytime you're mixing sex with something that could alter your brain chemistry or your mood and affect, Consent is crucial. I mean, consent is crucial across the board, but, like, especially when you're, when you're mixing in substances. And so I encourage folks to microdose, to have conversations about consent and what's on the table prior to any kind of medicating with cannabis so that everybody's really clear mm-hmm. on, like, where we're at, what's going on, what's on the table, and how can you tell if I'm in some sort of distress? What, what would my body be doing or not doing if I was in distress, and how would I want you to handle that? Mm. So people need to be conscious so they can be responsible sexually. Yes, if anything crucial. feels off, everyone is safe. So yeah. what are the other what are the other rules? So consent is crucial because you know, I've seen a lot of ads and I'm sure you've seen them, even billboards saying, you know, give her cannabis, that'll make her go wild. I mean, oh, that God. to me smacks of date rape. It sounds yeah. dangerous to me, and I think companies that put those kinds of ads out are highly irresponsible because it doesn't say consent first. Yeah, I could not agree more. It's like he, even hearing that, like my whole body would just like, oh, yuck, gross. That's terrible. Why would you do that? And and I also really um, caution companies to make to stop making claims about like this is going to turn you on and I'm using air quotes or this is going to cause arousal like arousal is a very complex multifaceted process and simply smoking a joint or doing an edible or even doing a microdose is not going to magically turn you on it will help turn off the things that are getting in the way but it's not going to like it's like not magic anxiety. it tamps down anxiety it right, tamps exactly. down anxiety and it can tamp down tension uh, sure. Because it does have this bit of um, it's more sedative effect and mellows people out, which is sure. you know the famous 
you know, people being yellow, mellow, and all of that. So exactly. what are the other benefits in the bedroom of using cannabis? It's especially good for folks who experience chronic pain. So we know that pain is distracting when generally for productivity, for connections. It kind of puts you on edge in a lot of ways. And so let's say you have a shoulder injury, you know, not even a genital-related pain situation, but like a shoulder injury or arthritis or things like that. You could use a topical, which is not going to get you high, even if it's THC. If you're putting it on your skin, it's not going to get you high. And that mm-hmm. will help alleviate the pain so that you can be really present in your body and with your partner. Wow. That sounds like it could be extremely beneficial. So when you talk about consent, I just want to go back to that for a minute. Yeah. Give people a very clear definition of what consent sounds like and looks like. Absolutely. Consent has to be informed. And it has to be mutual, it has to be freely given, and reversible at any time. Just because you say, yes, I want to do this, does not mean that you have to keep doing it. If you change your mind two minutes in and you're like, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore, you are no longer giving consent. And so it has to be a situation where you you are so empowered to take care of yourself. Thank you for being clear about that, because we do want to emphasize it. You know, we are all Mm. part of stopping the epidemic of sexual trauma, and we know that just as there are, you know, one out of, say, three, let's say I'm going to get my stats right, we have one out of six men is the latest stats have faced sexual Mm -hmm. trauma, whereas we have one out of four women. So mm-hmm. it's really important that we're aware of, of keeping people safe. Now, you've worked with couples who are experiencing difficulty. Yes. How do you work with them? What is your best advice to them? My best advice, I work with couples remotely. So I actually work out of my home and I see couples via Skype or um, Zoom or some other uh, digital connection and they are fully clothed and I am fully clothed and we're having a conversation and I am their coach. So I'm sort of a combination of a, a, a tech support and, and a personal trainer for their sex life. Right. Okay. And uh-huh. really it, it always comes down to communication and being clear about what you're wanting, being able to make requests, being able to notice what's going on in your body and share that openly with your partner and know that they can hold space for whatever's coming up for you. And if you say, I'm feeling self-conscious about my, you know, smell and taste, or I'm feeling self-conscious about my, my body in some fashion, to be able to share that with your partner and have them, you know, hold loving space for you in that vulnerable place. Now, where does cannabis come into the picture when you're coaching people along those lines? Cannabis comes in when couples are wanting to start to incorporate it, but they don't know where to start. They have heard about it. They've read some TV and they're like, we want to use sex and cannabis, but we, we don't know what that means or what it looks like. And so I'll start to, to dig in. What is coming up for you? What are you going for? Like what's, what are the things that are getting in the way and how can we really intentionally employ cannabis to address those things? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where do you draw the boundary with couples you're working with in terms of the use of cannabis? You know, are there people who just want to be super wild and high and that's counterproductive or 
what kinds of boundaries are you suggesting beyond the consent piece? I really encourage couples to kind of draw their own boundaries according to their comfort levels. And typically I don't see a lot of couples that one person just wants to go completely balls to the wall and, and get stoned off of their gourd. Like a lot of couples, most couples that I see are very intentional about their usage and they just want something that's going to help. And, and I encourage everyone to be thoughtful and deliberate in the usage. And that means less is more. You don't need to get, Stoned to enjoy the benefits of cannabis. And I would strongly encourage that you not, unless that's something that feels really good for you, you know, habitual, like with some regularity, but without it being a, a daily thing, unless that's a part of your lifestyle. Like for me, cannabis is a part of my daily routine. I use it before I go to bed at night, and that's how I sleep through the night. And that works for me. And, and any micro moderation that you're using? Uh, it's microdosing for my tolerance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my tolerance mm-hmm. has, is very high, and, and that's by design because I have to be able to go to events and smoke with people and still be coherent enough to get on a stage and do a presentation. So it's useful for me to have a high tolerance and to be able to smoke okay. and not get stoned. Well, what uh, is the risk? <laughs> this is a really important question for me because I work with so many people who are recovering from some form of addiction or the other. What's the risk of addiction with cannabis? Because a lot of people think there's no risk, which simply isn't true. How do you see the risk? What's your experience? There's always a risk of dependency when people use substances as a means of escape. If instead of dealing with struggles in your relationship, you prefer to just get high and not think about it, like that's probably indicative of a problem. And so I would really always encourage people to be conscious of why they're consuming cannabis every time they use it. I tell people, set an intention. Think about what you want this to do for you. Like create a a container, like, and a ritual around it. Like really have reverence for the substance that you're using so that it doesn't become this just like I'm reaching for it completely um, unconsciously and, and not really thinking about what it's doing for me or to my body or any of that. Like I prefer vaping to smoking because smoking isn't great for your lungs. And so it, it's just thinking about why, why are you using this and, and being mindful of those behavior choices. Wow. Lots and lots of information. We could go on for a long time talking about this. You have the final word. What is it you want us to take away about canisexual behavior, rules, boundaries, enhancements? What's your final word? My final word is that cannabis and sexuality are both complex, multi-layered, multifaceted subjects. And so be really skeptical of anyone who gives you quick fixes or easy answers. Because if, if you ask someone a question about sex and cannabis and their first caveat is not, well, it depends, they are probably trying to sell you something. And mm. so I really encourage folks to be savvy consumers and to understand that human sexuality and anything that you're using with your body is complicated. And so it's going to require some work and research and you have to kind of figure that out on your own. So masturbate. Use new cannabis products and masturbate so that you know how it impacts you before you add the variable of having a partner present. Wow. Powerful advice. And the other thing I want to say, if there's sexual dysfunction of any kind, it's also important to get a medical workup 
find out if there's anything going on with hormones, with, Mm -hmm. you know, there are a variety of things that can cause that medically. And we want to be clear that you're not trying to circumvent something that needs medical attention by using oh, goodness, cannabis. No, so I am let me not a doctor. I in. don't play one on TV. <laughs> I am absolutely not giving <laughs> medical advice. <laughs> I know you're not, but I want to remind people, yes, <laughs> no, thank you for to, saying be, that. <laughs> to be super careful. And it is important to remember that, you know, the use of cannabis by shamans and traditional medical practitioners is something that's been around for many centuries, and it was always, as you said a few moments ago, used with reverence. So everyone, when we're talking to Ashley Manta, and Ashley, go ahead and give your website again. It's canasexual.com, and spell that out for people, would you? Yes, it is C-A-N-N-A-S-E-X-U-A-L, and I also have it federally trademarked, so thanks, U.S. government. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're right. Love it. All right. Thank you for being with us. And everyone, I want to remind you, go to Eventbrite right now. Grab your seat for Quantum Power, nine steps to absolutely unleash the power of quantum energy in your life. So you have the energy to create the life you truly want and deserve. I'll be there live. We have special guests joining us. It's a day that will give you tools, energy, excitement, and encouragement on your journey. And that includes, of course, your love life. All right. Big thank you to our executive producer, LeGron Green, our associate producer, Cliff Dunning, and to all you modern lovers, blessings. Okay. Hey, that was great. You know, it's funny, Ashley, you were talking about your tolerance level. <laughs> I can't imagine you're like, you know, you have to, what you, what was really funny, you're like, I have to be able to smoke with people at conferences and then be able to talk about what I'm talking about. <laughs> yep, that's totally real. <laughs> oh my God. And, you know, you never know if you're like sharing someone's pen or whatever i I mean vaping pen some people might be uh consuming something with really high thc and all of a sudden you you suck in a little and then you're so stoned like you can't function (laughs) yeah no and people like legitimately expect me to smoke with them at events they're like oh my god like i want to smoke with the canisexuals so i'm like of course like i want to just take a quick puff and yeah, and but girl, you, that like, can be crazy. You could you, you <laughs> have somebody smoking some kind of real powerful strain that's like 30% or, or really high. You know what I mean? These concentrates are oh, so Oh, no, damn. my tolerance is out of this world. I, I do concentrate oh, really? on a regular basis, so I'm cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thankfully. Man. 
<laughs> edibles you have to watch. I did a 30 milligram edible over the weekend, and I was like, oh, I am way too stoned to function right now. <laughs> I don't. I don't trust. Uh, uh, I, I'm actually writing a book. I'm going to be sending you a. Uh, uh, some information about a book and writing about it. Edibles are dangerous okay. for sexual. I mean, especially oh new people. Oh my God, people. I never recommend they're, they're, edibles for sex. I mean, it's just, you, you, everybody's different. If your metabolism is fast or slow or whatever, and you chew on a brownie, you could be mm-hmm. wasted in, in like half an hour. You're just like, sex? I'm oh, going totally. to sleep. <laughs> exactly. And chemically, like when you ingest Delta 9 THC, it turns into something called 11 hydroxy, which is incredibly sedate. And oh, really? so it's not good for sex at all. And it takes two yeah. hours to kick in and it lasts for six to nine hours. And like, it's just why? I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the whole industry. I mean, California has gone crazy with all these new products and stuff. I'm waiting for it all to come back to reality because you know what? I'm sorry. These yeah. vaping pins are just, they're, you know, you're loaded. I mean, it's 80 to 90%, yeah. 75, 80% concentrate of flour. Come on. Oh, yeah. Well, and they're cutting them with things like propylene glycol. People are getting this thing called popcorn lung. It's like horrifically bad for your lungs. Like, it's just not. Oh, I haven't heard that. Is this something new that oh, they're yeah. adding? For, was it preservative? It's not new. It, it's to make it, it's to make the oil easier to vape. It, it's to make it like more liquidy, oh. basically. Oh. And so propylene glycol and something called PEG, which I can't remember what the E stands for, but it's propylene something glycol, um, mm-hmm. are horrible for you in vaporized form. And they're really bad for your lungs. And they're super, super toxic. And people are just like, they're also an e-cig. So like when you taste e-cig juice, it's really sweet. Propylene yeah. glycol is the thing that makes antifreeze taste sweet. Like, Oh, Jesus. Yeah. It's nasty shit. It's also in Fireball if you drink that whiskey. <laughs> so are th- there's no there's no uh, oversight at this point because it's so new is what you're implementing. Uh, there's saying. very limited oversight. Uh, my yeah. kind of gold standard is tinctures, topicals, and vaping yeah. flour. Vaping flour vaping in like flour. A, a convection vaporizer is a great way to do it. You can dose yourself really accurately. You know yeah. exactly what you're getting. It tastes That's true. really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm a flower yeah. vaping girl. Yeah. I, and also, I, uh, I'm going to link to yeah. New Living Expo on my website because I realized I didn't get to shout it out during the interview. Um, oh, it's okay. I'm going to link to it on Canisexual's homepage so that people know that that's cool. coming because I'm really excited about it. Yeah, we're ha- we're looking forward to have you up here, and hopefully you'll have a good crowd. We we typically have a, a lot of people, and we're adding a, a new component uh, in the cannabis every year. So 2020, we're going to have a third of our show. Focus on so we'll oh definitely my God, have that's you back. Amazing! I yeah. love that. Well, like I said, there's a lot of cannabis shows out there, but wow. I don't know if you've ever done the the, the oldest one, which is the Emerald uh, Cup in Santa Rosa. I've it's all about getting the high. Emerald Cup yet, but it's I've, all about getting just it buzz. It is very I mean, much good back. Oh yes, all the cups, that and the High Times Cup, they're just they're festivals to get stoned at, and like that's yeah. Not typically my target audience, which is why I don't usually go to those things. Yeah, so I'm I'm uh, we're we're gonna be uh, uh, experimenting with uh, a whole different kind of a cannabis show, which is more of the healing, sexuality, sexual I enhancement, things like that. So that's that's 2020. So hey, listen, I look forward to, uh, to meeting you in San Francisco uh, when you come oh, up. Why? It's gonna be great. I'm really happy you can come up and visit, and uh, we'll talk then. 
That sounds great. I will see you at the end of the month. And thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm Dr. Brenda yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, no, she she wanted to have something unique, and I said Ashley is the way way to go. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. She's kind of I learning on the job. It. She's totally learning yeah. on the job. But she's got a big audience, and I think they'll get a lot out of it. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll send you a copy of the uh, of the audio so you have it on record. Oh yeah, when does it go live, or was it live uh, was tonight at six thirty? Tonight at six thirty. Yeah, Amazing. Totally. I will keep an yeah. eye out for it. Thank you so much, Cliff. I really appreciate All right. it. Yeah, thanks for uh, doing it on such short notice, too. And, um, oh, my pleasure. We, we'll see you in the end of the month. See you soon. <laughs> okay, take care. Bye. You too. Bye-bye.